Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie, it is April the 13th, and we're finishing up our points that we had uh, that we started. Actually, this is uh, podcast three, where we're talking about characteristics of peak performers and do you have what it takes to succeed. And if you've not listened to the previous two podcasts on this topic, please go back and listen to those points. And when you're listening to these points, pay very close attention to the points that make you slightly uncomfortable because those are chances are those are where your growth needs to be. So remember that, guys. Wherever you're resisting the most is where your growth needs to be. So when Julie and I are reading these points to you guys today, um, please do go through your you know mental Rolodex and ask yourself, monitor your emotions. And if you feel a little you know building up of anxiety in your gut, chances are that's something that your subconscious mind is telling you you really need to drill down on. Make sense, Julie? It does. And if you missed the previous two podcasts, get caught up on points one through twelve because we're starting on point number thirteen. We're talking about peak performers, certainly with regards to real estate, but in life and success in general. Peak performers know that passion is a fleeting emotion and that they do not need to feel passionate to be successful. That's such a profound point. And this is point number 13. You think 13 was good? Wait till you hear the rest of them, but also go back and listen to the previous 12 points. So Julie, let's talk about really what the point of, you know, work is. So one of the, everyone, there's this, um, belief that you, in order for you to be successful, you have to be passionate about what it is that you're doing. And we know from having, you know, done tens of thousands of coaching calls, that is absolutely not true. true. Now, now it it is generally speaking, um, if you think you have to be passionate or to be successful at something and the passion is a heightened state of, you know, heightened emotional, you know, way of feeling, and you don't feel that way, what you're going to then do is not actually do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level because you don't feel passionate. And that's where this advice of telling you, you know, where people say, you know, follow your passion and the money will follow is a complete lie. It's just not true. And now let's be clear. You can be passionate for what comes as a result of having actually become a true expert at something. You can be passionate for the time you get to spend with your family, passionate against the th- for the things you get to do in your community, passionate for, frankly, the money and the freedom that it builds for you as you become rich, where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. But there's very, very few professions uh, where people become really, really successful, where they're passionate about what they do. And Julie, give the example mm-hmm. of basically being a musician. Sure. I mean, there's there's lots of concerts I can look back at or pieces of music or experiences that that was a pretty passionate thing. That was awesome. That was an amazing experience. The concert itself But that was, was the result right. of the work it took to get there. That's as succinct as I can make that. So, well, exactly. It's like what um, I was listening to an interview with, I forget what kind of Olympian he was, but he was going about describing how, you know, when people see him perform and he's winning his medals, he basically, that whole, his whole performance while he's doing his timed whatever, it lasts like a matter of like three to five minutes and then it's done. I'm, I'm not, sorry, listeners, I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe skiing or something. 
So when it's done, it's done. But what he said, what they don't see, what nobody sees are all the countless hours of misery. He was describing yeah. just, you know, it sounded awful. It sounded like torture, self-imposed torture, just so that he can have experience those three to five minutes of pleasure. And that's when he actually feels the, that was the, passion. the passion part, right. which was the result of the hard work that he put in of doing the, you know, the weightlifting, the working out. I remember listening to an interview with Michael Phelps where he was talking about, you know how boring it is to look at uh, blue water for eight hours a day? You I'm imagine? looking at the same color yep. for eight hours a day. Yep. And, but he was talking about that's what it takes. That's the practice that it takes to get the result that you want. So I think that people get distracted by thinking the passion should be applied to the work, and they use that as the excuse because I don't feel passionate. And most uh, commonly we hear, I don't feel passionate about being a salesperson they get that all twisted up when in fact you're focusing on the wrong thing. Be passionate about the results that you get from helping people at the highest level. I'll even go as far as to say if you're looking to feel passion with what you're doing in your business, you're going to run a very, very financially a, a bad business. You're going to make something that is uh, essentially not really a business. It's going to be more about a bunch of emotional experiences that you're trying to weave together. And I think that's a lot of the reasons that some of you guys are so addicted to social networking, right? You get that little hit of endorphins when you're doing a video and you go and see what people liked it or their comments on it or all the rest well, of it. A little taste of passion for about 20 seconds. Well, it's a little, t it's a little psychological, yeah. you know, neurological, you know, uh, hit. That's what they like. Sure. But again, that's not work, guys. Real work is where you're actually learning how to be a proactive lead generator and you're ultimately solving other people's problems. So please, for not even for a second, you believe that you have to be passionate to be successful. And I'll go as far as to say that if you really, really want to be successful at something, it's almost better not to be passionate about the actual thing that you're doing. Be the best at what you're doing. And that does not necessitate you being passionate about it. Be passionate for the results that come of it. In real estate, the results that we would prescribe that all of you be in pursuant of is having enough profit from your business. So with that profit, you then can reinvest that money in, in many places where, frankly, your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. And then you can work towards being financially free. And on their side of being financially free, then you can start pivoting the scales away from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do at the highest level and towards doing what you want to do when you want to do it at the highest level or at whatever level you choose. That's right. And if you are stuck on this, then you need to get into the Harris Rules book and work on the goals in five areas of life so that you know what to focus that passion on, the results of what you get as because you've done the work of helping enough people to get yourself there. So it's, it's not that, you know, we want you to eliminate passion. We want you to redirect it at the results you get from the real work of real estate. So let's do a check-in here. How do you feel now that you've realized that maybe you've been in pursuit of passion and using the lack of passion as your excuse not to be a peak performer? Is that resonating with any of you? I bet it is. Point number 14, Julie. Point number 14, peak performers know that balance is a myth. That's a big word that people throw around a lot, balance. Well, I'm out of balance right now. I have to refill the cup or I can't do that work this week because I just, you know, I need to take that time off or they'll use that mostly with, I always go to family on this because I think if you use family or church or things like that as your excuse, you know that nobody's going to pick on that. that. That's kind of like a, a universal thing that you can, that you can use. Uh, but well, yeah, so so define. So what she's saying is what you'll see a lot of people peak performers do spend time with their families. They do spend time with their religions. They do spend time with their hobbies and all the rest of it. But they don't use those things as a, a an excuse not to do the real work of real estate. They know that their primary objective in life is you're going to be successful in anything, let alone a business owner, which is what all of you are, believe it or not. 
you're going to have to learn that there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice that's required. And if you're not willing to have that sacrifice because you're in pursuit of some sort of mythical balance in your life, you're never really going to truly be successful because there'll always be somebody that's willing to outwork you. And there'll always be somebody that's willing to essentially, you know, basically be a peak performer consistently when you're not being a consistent peak performer. So if you really want to get to the top of the heap and it is worth the fight, guys, it really, really is. Uh, give up the idea that you're going to have balance. And, you know, we'll use a, a, a non-money example. Mm -hmm. If you see somebody who's in really, really good physical condition, right? Male, female, does not matter. And they are absolutely 100% shredded, great condition. There is an excellent chance that they, are, they have no money <laughs> because they spent all their time at the gym getting in really good shape. Or there's an excellent time, a chance that they don't have a really, you know, good personal life in other aspects because to get in that kind of condition, they're probably at the gym for sometimes two and three hours a day and their whole entire lives is, is geared around basically reaching that peak performance physical state. And look, that's okay if that is what they've chosen for themselves. But I'll suggest to you, you've chosen for yourself to be a peak performer in the real estate industry. So you're going to have to understand that there are sacrifices necessary. And on the familial side of things, the way to buy, get your family to buy into your uh, pursuit of your goals with regards to being the best agent uh, you can, do the real estate treasure map with them. You know, actually complete the real estate treasure map with your family, and we give that to you. If you want the real estate treasure map, you're also going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Just text the word EDUCATION to 47372. Text the word EDUCATION to 47372. That's right. So let's see, what point are we on? Number 15, peak performers know that in order for them to stay peak performers, they must be true to their health. They are not overweight. They do exercise daily. They know that there's a direct correlation between how they can perform mentally and financially and their physical, <clears throat> excuse me, condition. I would, I would uh, be able to, to identify many coaching clients. The ones that are most focused financially, their ability to set appointments, their ability to negotiate, their ability to actually control their business are the same ones that are really in good physical health and have an actual uh, exercise regimen. They're not crazy about it, you know, but they are very consistent about so, it. So you could say, for example, you, I think you could make the obvious, uh, you know, correlation between your physiology and your, you know, essentially the output you get in life, especially yeah. on the financial side of things, right? It makes sense that if you have more energy and you're able to concentrate for a longer period of time because your your body is operating at a higher level, uh, you're going to definitely get more results in other aspects of your life. I and mean, that just is common sense. But I'll go as far as to say that if you are not working on becoming your best version of yourself physically at the same time you're doing it financially, you're not going to really accomplish either. And here's the reason why. Because every time you look at a reflection of yourself or you look to see how people look at you, your subconscious mind is picking up on lots and lots of little messages that maybe consciously you're not seeing. You know, you walk past a mirror and you kind of fool yourself that that baggy sweater sometime, somehow covering up, you know, aspects of your body that you don't like. That's going to actually impede your ability to see yourself as a successful salesperson. That actually is going to impede your ability to actually see yourself becoming or uh, maintaining a peak performance on the sales side and the financial side. That's the reason that most people that perform well in one area, you know, know that they have to perform well in others. And that does trickle to other aspects of your life. So the physical aspect of everyone talks about how you feel better, drink enough water, vitamins, you know, low carb, the whole thing. Of course, that makes sense. But the psychological benefits of having your body in shape, that's the true power. And I actually think that's a primary objective that all of you have should have a goal that all of you should have. Because if you see yourself and you like the way you look, 
there's a really good chance that you're going to radiate a different energy than you otherwise would have if you're not liking the way you look. You're going to be more you know, demonstrative and gregarious. And yeah, well, frankly, your confidence is going exactly. to be completely different. Right. And I think that people do have subconscious uh, filters that they put you through, right? So Definitely. Like, to me, I, I think it's all related to um, integrity and discipline, right? So somebody said once that if you hit the snooze button in the morning, you've already started the day lying to yourself mm-hmm. because you're out of integrity with what your intention was when you set that that uh, alarm, right? And then you go on to maintaining your your health. It, it's I I would say it is easier to be successful in real estate when not if but when you are disciplined on the other things because you have that uh, discipline with yourself, right? So if you, for example, see somebody that Maybe they're 30 pounds overweight, their clothes don't fit them, and their car's a mess. Doesn't that consciously or subconsciously tell you they don't really have a lot of discipline? And then they come off not that confident because they kind of have that going on in the background. Well, what you normally see, everything you said, but the other thing you'll see is somebody who is not in good shape and is obviously struggling physically. Um, and there's, they're doing it to themselves voluntarily by not sure. exercising, eating junk food. And then they try to, uh, they try to act like they're, you know, a motivational mindset guru, whatever, even though then, then you, so what happens is your subconscious, your lizard brain is always filtering, right? Right. You know, you're constantly filtering information. You're constantly, your subconscious mind is picking up little micro expressions. It's constantly looking for threat vectors, things to worry about, inconsistencies. It's looking for familiar right. patterns and unfamiliar patterns, right? So if you see somebody that's acting one way but they don't look the way that they're acting or they don't actually the way they sound is not the way they look you don't consciously say well i don't believe that person because they're you know 50 pounds overweight your subconscious mind does that for you and then there's a there's a big inconsistency there that's impossible for you to get around because of the fact that there's that inconsistency With how the people actually look. Sorry for that little brief pause. We had a little snafu. <laughs> a little snafu. Let me make sure everything's working. I think it is. <laughs> yep, we're all good. Okay, good. So, but you're right, you know, and I don't think people would necessarily put their finger on that and say, well, that person just kind of rubs me the wrong way because what they say doesn't match how they look. I don't think people would necessarily say that, but that's what they're feeling. Like they can't quite, that's when people say, well, I just didn't hit it off with that person. I just didn't really feel that. Because your subconscious is is doing that balance, going something doesn't match. What doesn't? And, and here's belong? the thing: we're not condoning it. We're not saying thinking like that is, uh, or you know, valuing or not valuing people based on no. aesthetics. We're not suggesting that's something we condone. We're just telling you that it's a fact. That's how our brains yeah. work. Now, you could obviously mentally decide, well, I'm going to move past that. And I'm going to consciously set aside my, you know, my lizard brain's first reaction. And I'm just going to basically look at the value this person brings. And you're going to find plenty of people out there that despite their physical condition or their physical appearance, rather, might have tremendous things to offer. And I would suggest to you that the higher state of you is going to be on the other side of realizing that you can never judge a book by its cover. So that's the reason I go back to the fact that the real, uh, you know, essentially uh, judge of your appearance is you. And if you know you're not looking like you could look and you know you're not taking care of this way yourself the way you should be taking care of yourself, that is going to create uh, a mooring line or that's going to create essentially a psychological um, you know, wall that's ever going to prevent you from ever doubling down on doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. So think about all these things. And again, if this is a topic that all of a sudden you find this rubbing you the wrong way, 
chances are that's where your growth needs to be because wherever you resist persists or put another way wherever you're resisting is where your growth needs to be so when we're rattling off these points julie and i are not nerfing up these points we're not trying to sugarcoat them we're not trying to make you feel good we're just telling you what we perceive to be the truth and i think many of you will agree so if you have you know julie and i we talk about some specific thing and then all of a sudden you don't like that specific thing don't just stay in the state of not liking the point go back and ask yourself well why is it that i believe that about myself? Or why is it that I hold that thought? Why is it, what about that thought offended me? Is it, does it even make sense that I'm offended by that thought? Or, or is it just, is this something inside of me that I, that is trying to, you know, send a message to my conscious mind that this is a problem that I have and that I need to work on. And, uh, that's how you guys move forward. And that is by the way, when you can have, start having little epiphanies when you allow yourself to be introspective. Yeah, so the fun part about this point, if you go to the Harris Rules book, there's a whole chapter about how to upgrade everything so that you can add to that confidence and so you can believe in yourself at a higher level so you look and sound and present like the person that you're trying to be. So have fun with that. That's in the Harris Rules book. Now we've got uh, point number 16, I believe. Mm -hmm. Peak performers hate hearing no. When they hear no, it's an indication that they must improve but not stop. No is the market's way of telling you, not today, maybe tomorrow, but you have to improve. Peak performers intentionally ask questions that could result in a no. A true peak performer puts themselves in a position to hear no at least five to 10 times per day. If you're not putting your ego at risk from hearing no, you're not doing your job. <laughs> so and what do you think about that? Well, I, whenever we present that point, I always think about um, when in our real estate careers, when we came into the office one day and we're all cocky because we took three listings in a row, we took everyone we went on and our broker said, well, obviously you're not going on enough appointments if you're only hearing yes. Yeah, that's and true. And that, that was kind of yeah, harsh at the time, but now I understand that at a different level. It's okay to hear no. You have to hear so many no's to get your yeses and you can't live in fear of it. That's your ego trying to keep you down. Well, but here's the other thing. Uh, how many agents listening right now, and we might have 50 or 60,000 people download this mm -hmm. show. How many agents listening right now or business people in general build their lives around never hearing the word no, yeah, right? Insulating themselves from that potential conflict or perceived conflict. And so I want you to be introspective about this again, guys. If you're not putting yourself in a position to hear no, you're really not doing your job. And that means that all of you are doing passive lead generation which is actually another interesting point that we're about to talk about. All of you who are doing passive lead generation. All of you who are doing anything that does not put you in direct contact with the decision-making adult about buying or selling real estate that could say no to you, that you're not doing your job. You can, your mission in life should be simply to set one listing, pre-qualified listing appointment per day and go on pre, one pre-qualified listing appointment per day. Maybe the one you set that morning or maybe the one you set the previous day. The point of it is, is in all those situations, you're going to have to hear a lot of no's to get those results. But what's on the other side of that financially? Extraordinary success, true success, being becoming a true peak performer. But you've got to move past your abhorrence to hearing the word no. Nobody likes hearing the word no. No hurts everybody. No, how, no matter how successful you become, no is not something you ever want to hear. But And it does always sting. I'm not going to lie to you. But it stings less it, because you know from experience that hearing no, uh, you know, you hear it enough times, what you should be using no as is, you know, essentially the market's way of telling you, yes, maybe, but you've got to get better. So you have to think when you hear the word no, why did you hear no? Where did you get shot down? What, what did you do wrong? You did something wrong or you would have gotten that sale or you would have gotten that listing. And the worst thing you can do is not take responsibility for the no. 
It, you know, so a peak performer is always going to take responsibility for every no. They're not going to just say, well, that person didn't list with me because, you know, their aunt Molly was, you know, a new agent that, you know, seller was going to do them a favor. I didn't get the listing because the seller wanted to overprice. It no, wasn't my fault. they accept the responsibility. They say something went wrong and it was my fault. I'm going to find out why. That's right. They don't make up stories about what the situation had to be. Oh, well, you know, because they came in five grand higher on your list price. Oh, they just bought the listing. No, maybe... That's actually an accurate price based on a comp you didn't find. Right, exactly. And yeah. then the house sells for 100 over asking. <laughs> right, you and know? that could have been your sale, right. which could have led to bigger and better things. So and I, it's one of the things I respect the most about our coaching clients that are in that level of, of conscious competence where they actually find out what is it that was the breaking point, and then we fix it. You know, but the thing is, Julie, we always tell them when they don't take a listing, obviously go find out why they didn't take the listing, sure. right? But they almost always know. That's true. They, yeah. they just don't really always want to admit to it. Right. They know why they didn't that yeah. why they didn't take the listing. And I'll tell you where it always oh, just to save you guys the learning curve, mm -hmm. having done this gazillions of times. It's because they did not follow a consistent process. It's because yeah. they did not fully pre-qualify. They went on the listing appointment without knowing the seller's motivation, the seller's time frame, the mortgage pays off, payoffs if they're competing. They didn't follow our pre-qualifying script before they went on the appointment. Which includes actually asking for the business at the end and actually closing. Sometimes they're pretty good at most of it, but because they don't actually close the client, they walk away going, well, I'll No, we're up. talking about pre-qualifying pre before going to the appointment. Yeah. And then sending the pre-listing pack. Okay, then if seven you don't- Seven-step listing process. Right, if you don't, well, so what are the seven steps? So off the top of my head, since they're not in front of me. Okay, so prospect is the first one. You well, have to create the lead in the first place. Proactive lead generation. Pre, uh, furiously fast lead follow-up. You have to turn it into an appointment. Pre-qualifying the appointment, presenting- and then closing. And I don't think that was seven. Yeah, it is. So seven, because there you didn't are say people. Negotiating. Well, negotiate. I mean, taking the listing, but negotiating and closing. And so we sometimes you guys get really good. You have like the most beautiful pre-listing package, but because you don't ask for the sale and you're not closing, that maybe is the mistake. I've had people, coaching clients, tell me that once they got over this whole no thing that our point is about, right. that like their whole world changed because they were doing most of it right, but they were afraid of the conflict of hearing no. So I think that's a big thing. It's almost like your business will take off when you on purpose try to hear no. So here's the fun part of this. Yeah. So our coaching program primarily focuses you guys on becoming listing agents. That's where our, our you know, that's where we know that, yep. frankly, if you, you know, want to last in real estate, you got to list. That's where all the financial freedom is. That's where all the leverage is. It's on the listing side of the business. So you know, no, we're saying no a lot, right? Mm -hmm. UK and OW, that Julie and I have a arguably the nation's leading coaching program that we teach agents how to become listing agents. You know that when you enroll in our coaching program, you're going to have, you're going to know how to pre-list, you're, you're going to know how to proactively lead generate, how, how to, you know, essentially pre-qualify, how to present. You're going to know how to, you're going to have a listing presentation done for you. You're going to know exactly what to say when you go on a listing presentation. You're going to know every aspect of what it takes to be a successful real estate agent. And our coaching program has been proven to work in all markets, all price ranges. It, okay. So you know, all this is true. Don't you? And yet, why don't you enroll? I'll tell you why you don't enroll. Because you'll be out of excuses. That's why. So some of you who are not completely serious about your real estate businesses, the reason you wouldn't want to enroll in our coaching program isn't because there's a better alternative. There is not. There isn't anybody else no. doing what Julie and I are doing. Period. Full stop. You can stop looking. <laughs> there aren't. Okay. Now, with that said, when you enroll in our coaching program, you're going to be out of excuses. So when you don't take a listing, this is the reason I said 
I can. It's always the same thing. It's because people agents got complacent or lazy, mm-hmm. or they didn't learn how to do one of the aspects of the listing process. In other words, they didn't take the time to really become professional at something. And it's usually the easiest things ever. They went on the listing appointment without pre, fully pre qualifying. They went on the listing appointment without knowing they were competing. They went on the listing appointment knowing what, uh, not knowing, for example, what the seller's true motivation was. Um, they went on the listing appointment without having sent a pre-listing pack. They went on the listing appointment and the pre-listing pack that they sent wasn't the actual pre-listing pack. It was their half-assed version of the pre-listing pack. I can go on and on and on and on. And that's what you'll discover. Nine times out of 10, when someone doesn't take a listing, when they're following our system, it's an easily diagnosable thing that they already know. Yeah, because they skipped one of the critical steps or they screwed it up or they winged it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or some combination of all above. Too. And so if you take those excuses away, and so like I can, he- I absolutely think I have a read on most of you. You're listening to what we're saying and you like your excuses. <laughs> you like having a nerfed up life. You like being able to make yourself feel good when you fail. And I'm going to suggest to yourself, the reason that you're sp- you fail is to feel terrible. Do not feel good about failing. Do not say failing is a good thing because I can learn from my mistakes. Those are all true things. But the point of failing, the reason it hurts, it's nature's way of telling you to avoid it. That's right. Okay, and, improve. It, and if you don't fully feel the pain of the failure, you're going to make that failure. You're going to rationalize that failure. You're going to write that failure off to something that will, you know, obfuscate the responsibility of the failure, and you're never going to learn from it. That's I, right. And I got news for you. If you have currently taken every listing you've gone on, it is 100% because those people already knew you. Yeah, 100%. Okay? That doesn't count. And so for those competitive uh, listing agents is what Julie and I create at our coaching company. That's right. Our joke is this is not our halfway house for wayward realtors. This is, you know, where we breed superstars. That is it. You know, I like, I don't know how to sort of coach you. It's you're going to be competitive. Our rule is this. If you're going on a qualified listing appointment where you have followed those steps, you'd better be taking the listing. There's no 50%. 50% is failing. And what you just said is the reason that it's very difficult. Like if we started some clubhouse rooms and we've given those clubhouse rooms to people that are part of our EXP Libertas group. And the reason we did that is because it's impossible for Julie and I to be in those clubhouse rooms and not do things 100%. And when people say, you know, dumb things, it's impossible for us. It's malpractice for us not to tell, not to clear the air. And, and ultimately what that results in is not what clubhouse culture is really, you know, about, which is conversation and people like sitting around a water cooler. Um, and again, it's honestly, it's because Julie and I cannot be in a clubhouse room listening to a bunch of people trying to convince a bunch of mostly new agents that those new agents need to be doing all this marketing and branding stuff, opposed to learning how to be true real estate professionals without actually going and jumping in the lion pit and, you know, killing the lion. And, and that's, and that's, you know, so if you're wondering, we're active on clubhouse, but we're not going to be active, uh, like we were because again, it's not the culture there's a lot of people that are the very – so remember, guys, there's the different stages of learning, right? There's unconscious incompetence. It's when you don't know what you don't know. There's conscious incompetence where you sort of know what you don't know. You're kind of waking up to the fact there's a lot you don't know. There's conscious competence, and that's where you're getting better at things. You're still not the best at it. You still have to think about what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then there's unconscious incompetence, and that's where basically – and unconscious competence, and that's wherever it comes out of your mouth, whatever you do, say anything is so at operating at the highest level without you having to put any effort into it. That is where Julie and I operate. But we there's an actual you know there's different philosophies or you know mindsets about whether there's a different philosophy beyond that. It says just because you're able to operate on a conscious uh, competence. <laughs> confidence level, that doesn't mean you can actually teach what you know. 
And that's the thing yeah. that people don't understand. Just because you can operate at that level doesn't mean you can disseminate and help other people at that level because that transference of peak knowledge into somebody else is an entirely different skill set. And that's in, unless you've actually experienced that before, you're not ever going to understand what I just said. Some of you, one or two, probably will. But what you stumble across mostly in life are people that are gravitating or, you know, they're bouncing back and forth between unconscious incompetence. They don't know what they don't know and conscious incompetence. And then what happens as soon as they're when they're in that second phase of conscious incompetence, they start feeling a little insecure. And so they quit. Yeah, because it makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. That discovery of things. And I'll tell you where that happens almost all the time. Every week, you guys go through this. You know, you, you're trekking along. You've been taking listings. Things have been fairly easy. And then you go on one where you thought you had it in the bag. And somebody you've never heard of cleans your clock, takes the listing, and sells it the next day. And then you rationalize the loss because you don't want to feel the pain. Where what you should be doing is embracing the pain, calling the seller, find out why they decided the other person was better than you. Mm -hmm. Ooh, did you hear what I just said? Uh -oh. That is what I said. They were better than you. You lost. Feel right. the pain. That way you won't want to feel that pain again. Yeah, well, assuming you do something about it, right? But, you know, some of them will wait until that's happened two and three times before it becomes painful enough because maybe it was their best friend that that rejected them because they weren't good enough. And then they're like, okay, now I've really got to get some scripts. Maybe yep. I should pre-qualify people. Maybe I need a pre-listing package, a real presentation. Because if you know losing is going to hurt, and if you know when you lose, it's going to hurt and you're going to make yourself feel the pain, I promise you, you're going to be operating on an entirely different level of motivation when it comes to actually get, getting, get, get good at what you're supposed to be getting good at right? Because you don't want to feel the pain. That's the reason peak performers, they hate the word no, but they know on the other side of no is them getting better. No or any form of rejection is the market's way. Hell, it's the, you know, nature's way of saying you need to get better or you're never going to move past this. And be honest with yourselves. When you guys even not even experience no, but when you psychologically experience no, think that you might hear a no, not even that, you know, there's no no in your future, but you're just thinking about rejection. What is How does that make you feel? And it make, immediately makes you feel weak. And you immediately start nerfing your life up. And now you're buying you leads. complacent. Now you're buying buyer leads or you're working on your logo or you're doing all this other passive stuff, rationalizing that that's real work. It's not. Real work is you in front of a buyer or seller helping them solve their problem and having the right to be there in front of that uh, person to help them solve their problem, which only comes from... Uh, uh, experience ultimately, but it comes primarily from having taken the time to learn to be the best version of yourself as a real estate professional. Which leads to our next point, number 17. Peak performers are proactive lead generators. They are on purpose generating leads so they can pre-qualify, so they can help people that need their help, right? They are not passive lead generators. What's the difference? A passive lead generator is somebody who buys their leads. Okay, that doesn't take much effort and doesn't give you great results or they're waiting because they've been lucky and they, they happen to be getting some referrals, that, that is hopium. That's not a plan. When you go, um, and again, this is something we do on a regular basis. We get a top producing team or even a brokerage, something like that, an individual agent, doesn't matter. And we go through all their sources of the business. You have to ask where did that business come from like three or four times mm -hmm. before they really understand the, the point. So if I already go, you know, one of you uh, decides that you're going to join our elite coaching program and you're going to have one of our coaches coach you. And with the first question or one of the first questions they're going to go through is for you to tell uh, them where all your, you know, previous maybe 20 deals came from, right? Or if you've done hundreds, then maybe we'll go back even deeper than that. And nine times out of 10, the first answer out of that agent's mouth is, 
uh, a not, an untrue answer. In other words, they're going to try to obfuscate responsibility. So they're going to say things like that one came from a social networking campaign or that one came from a this or the other thing. Because what they don't realize or honestly a top producer knows is that the social, the passive stuff doesn't generate crap. The proactive stuff is where they get their business from. But what they'll do is they'll rationalize wasting money on some branding exercise because they feel like it's their ego, basically. Their ego telling them that they have to be putting themselves in a certain light or somehow the world won't see them as successful. But if you looked at it strictly from a business and a financial perspective and you really cut through it all and you asked where their business came from, you would see basically it comes from proactive lead generation. And there are virtually no exceptions to that. Now, there are people out there that are buying all of their business businesses that are making no net profit. And what you guys are doing is you're actually not thinking. You're gravitating towards these messengers of like essentially complacency and the messengers of people that are telling you you don't actually ever have to do the real work of real estate. In other words, the exact opposite. But you're not asking the most important question first. Okay, Mr. Guru trying to sell me some sort of passive branding, Mickey Mouse marketing, whatever. What's the actual results from this? How long will it take? What's the actual, you can buy your business guys. You can pay massive referral fees to all these different real companies. You can buy a business. And, but you gotta look at to see what the actual profit from that is. And oftentimes you don't know how to figure out what the profit is. And oftentimes you're not making any profit. And if you found out how much lack of profit you were making, you would literally be better off working at Starbucks for $15 an hour. Sad okay? but true. Yeah, it's true. Cause no one has these honest to God conversations with you. You, there's no point in you being in business really. And the sacrifices that are going to be uh, needed for you to even be moderately successful. If you're not going to make a huge profit margin from your business, when you get a commission check for $10,000, after brokerages fees and whatnot, you should be putting probably at least $8,000 in your pocket. But that's not how you guys have built your businesses because you have all this fixed costs and you bought the leads and you have all this marketing stuff that people have told you that you need to have in your business. But yet that $10,000 referral came from you talk or that $10,000 commission check came from, you know, you doing a proactive lead generation thing you learned from us. And yet you still have institutionalized these BS expenses into your business because people have told you that's what you're supposed to do because everyone around you told you that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe your broker and your office manager told you what you're supposed to do, but none of them have actually made decisions based on what the you know net profit would be as a result. If you use the same filter that Julie and I do when we're making business decisions, is this going to make us money in the next 60 to 90 days? Is it because that's, you know, your real estate business has, you will never get rich selling real estate. Be very clear about that ever, ever, ever. I don't care how much money you make, how many transactions you make, Selling real estate will not make you rich. You will get rich from the profits that come from selling real estate, right? And so for you to, you can be the most successful, famous agent ever. But if you don't actually have net profit, who cares? Who cares? You just did it to be famous, right? This is the asinine types of approaches that people are taking in business. Not just real estate, by the way. And this mega trend that really started in earnest, I think in 2000, and I don't know, maybe six or seven about the buying business and the branding and the big, this is the inefficient teams and all this stuff. All this stuff is coming to the end of the uh, road. You're seeing a lot of new agents getting into the business and they are not entering the business with these. They're not, they're entering the business with aspirations to build financial futures for themselves, not because they're trying to be famous. And I'll tell you what's more is there's a lot of people that are coming to the business that are younger that see the social networking stuff for what it is. That's the reason that your kids are not on Facebook because they see it for what it is, yep. right? And that's, so you, you want to know what essentially what the future is going to think? Look to see how a 20-year-old interacts with uh, this, you know, social networking realm. They don't really, do they? Because they see it for what it is. 
you know, some of the younger kids, like, like <laughs> this is the thing. It's ridiculous. I want you guys to think about this. Do a little homework on what the average age of the average TikTok user is, right? And then ask yourself if that 14-year-old is going to be buying a house from you anytime soon. <laughs> Right. right. I mean, have you thought about the asinine behavior that some of you guys are well, being, like, being forced or being induced to believe? Yeah, I've got a house to sell. What's the first place I'm going? It's not TikTok. No. I'm not, oh, I'm going to go find my realtor right there. No, absolutely not. You're going to ask yourself, who do I already know? If you don't know somebody, you're going to ask for a referral. You're going to respond to somebody that is has told you that they sell in your neighborhood. Maybe they told you they just sold the house I'll, down the I'll street. I'll go as far as to say, if you do find yeah. a realtor on TikTok, you're absolutely not calling that realtor because <laughs> no. that realtor should have been out doing real estate. Now, you could have done some true. real estate videos on TikTok, but I'd much rather had you spent that same time actually you know, proactively lead generating more listings. That's yeah. guys, that doesn't this all just make sense to you? And so why are you seduced by all this other stuff? Because you're trying to avoid hearing no. And because you like attention and recognition and all that egoic types but, of but things. But really, Julie, honestly, getting back to point 16, that's yeah. the real reason yeah. all this stuff exists. Because so. it's it's the recognition aspect that human psychology all, you know, it's basically deeply rooted in our mm -hmm. lizard brains. But ultimately what it is, is it's the other thing deeply rooted into our lizard brains is fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And Nobody fear of rejection, that. unless you are introspective about what that means, does really hearing no from a stranger, why should that have any effect on you beyond wanting to improve? It's not a personal rejection. Remember we were talking earlier about how passion is a fleeting emotion? Well, so is someone being a little bit uptight. That changes too. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I can be a little uptight and Zoe's going to walk in the room and make some funny look at me or say something funny and my mood totally changes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Emotions cannot be trusted. They are not your friend when it comes to actually being a smart business person. That is completely the opposite of what everyone else is telling you, but it's also the truth. Yeah, what's interesting is that some of the stuff that we're talking about most people would never do in a quote real job that perhaps they left for real Isn't estate, funny? you know, and yet you allow yourself to have this, this big swing of emotional feel like it. I only work when I'm feeling passion and all this stuff. You'd never get away with that in a, in an actual job, especially a job where you're being paid the amount of money you claim that you're going to make this year in real estate. Let's say you want to make 150 grand this year in real estate and you go and get a job that pays you 150 grand, you're going to act like that. You're only going to show up to work when you feel like it. I'll tell you right now, if you are somebody that can make 150 grand uh, at a job, you should go get the job and not sell real estate. Because if you can actually do that uh, independent of selling real estate, then that's probably the better move for you. Okay, there's something yeah. that nobody says. No, that's well, we have people, true. I'll have people message me. I have a full-time job and I want to get on my full-time job. Okay, mm -hmm. tell me about yourself. And if you guys have messaged me about this over the years, you know this is what I say. And then I'll say, well, tell me about yourself. And and I have a family of three and let's say it's a guy of a family of three and I've been at this job for you know so long and I've got stock options and all this rest benefits. of it but I've all benefits and I have a really good pay and I'm you know blah 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 prestige and you know secure job and whatever whatever okay and I but I've always wanted to follow my passion and be a business owner and to which I say nope Sorry, you've got other obligations. You've got a family to take care of. You've got bills to pay. You're making good money that's providing security for your family. Uh, you got to take your creative endeavors and treat it as what it really is, a, an expression of a hobby, and do it on the weekend, right? Take up art yeah. or learn how to play golf. Well, and somebody like that could get licensed and make some referral fees. And, you know, that doesn't mean Maybe. that you can't mess around with real estate. But to think that you're just going to leap into this 
you know, because you're passionate about it, you're leading with the wrong thing. Exactly. And that's the reason I'm saying what I'm saying. And remember what Julie and I do for a living. We sell real estate coaching, right? So I just probably talked one of you out of basically <laughs> signing up for real, real estate coaching because I told you to keep your job. Oh. But I don't want to deal with what's on the other side of it because it's too sad. When you've been in the business for two years, you spent all your money, you owe back taxes, you basically, you know, all these types. Of, and then you discovered, you know, or you finally start listening to Julie and I. And, you know, these are the sad experiences that I frankly am. You know, I don't even want to I, we even remotely encourage you guys to pursue. It's also the reason that, to Julie's point, sometimes being part time in real estate is the right move to make. You got to okay. you guys got to be mature about this. Don't just follow your passion and assume the money will follow. It is such a lie. And, and again, I'm going to say this and then I think we should wrap for today. Sure. The pursuit of experiencing the emotion of passion uh, is not in alignment with the same energies necessary to make a profit in your business. That's a great place to leave them with. That is a great place and, to leave them with. You know, so accept that. Deal with it. This is the truth. What are you going to do about it? What are the steps that you're going to take? And maybe that would be one of them to text education to 47372 so we can help you work through this. How is it that we know all these points? Because we've done, I don't even know how many coaching calls, hundreds of thousands over the years. But when you listen to us, Julie, and I, when I was writing those points for us yeah. the last three shows, it's so funny to me because I realize on every single one of these, I don't even know how this sounds. It might sound egotistical. I really don't care. <laughs> but here's the truth. Because you and I have taken all of these things that people have said in regards to the self-improvement industry, business, mm -hmm. startup, the hustle culture, all these little things that people just have heard over and over and over again, follow your passion, the money will follow. And the people just started believing without ever having thought about it. You and I love taking one of those very popular things that people say or people, you know, whatever the popular culture is. And we love looking for the, the lie in to it. Debunk it's it. so easy to find. It is. Because anything that takes people away from the truth which is doing what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. And everything you want in sure. life is on the other side of it, living that lifestyle. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I have to go to the gym here in an hour. I mean, I don't want to do that. Sure. There, I, I've done five We're or six. We're going to do it anyway. I've done five or six Me things too. today that, frankly, if I, you know, I would yeah. rather not do. Yeah. But that, who cares? I've been on a bunch of other well, podcasts. Because and, the peak performer in you finds it unacceptable not to. That's right. And you guys, look, sooner or later, you're going to accept the fact in your own way and your own levels of acceptance of what we're saying is true. But I'm going to suggest to every, I, I will guarantee you that every single one of you listening to us right now, you know, maybe it's 60,000, maybe it's 40,000, I don't know. Know what we're saying is true, don't you? You know what we're saying is true. You can feel it in your bones. It's not subconscious, it's conscious. And yet you're still attracted to the easy button. Why? Yeah, but here's the thing. Everyone listening, virtually everyone listening, has had peak performance days sometimes weeks, some of the months. It is within you, but that's what you've got to nurture and not allow all of this other distracting things to get you off track. Do you really believe what you said is true? I do. I know because I, I will ask them, you know, describe for me, and maybe this is a good exercise for our listeners. Homework. What Describe for me your best day in either real estate or some of them aren't in real estate or they're newer to it, in business. What made that day your best day? I uh, See, I... I I know where you're coming from, mm -hmm. and I and we've talked about this before. Obviously, I had coaching yeah. clients about this, but I've had that coaching call with different coaching mm -hmm. clients, and I'll tell you, in my experience, eighty percent mm -hmm. of them have never experienced that. Okay. Never. You you have you have had lots yeah. you've had lots of peak experiences from your professional music sure. career, best selling author, mm -hmm. number one real estate coach in the United States, blah 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 blah. Okay, you've had lots of experiences sure. like that, but Julie, I'm I'm here to tell you, without a shadow of doubt. 
that many people have never, never moved past some of these points and willingness to hear no. Well, so that would be don't. their homework, wouldn't well, it? But so they, yeah. they intellectually might want to understand, but emotionally mm-hmm. they can't attach to what we're saying. And so that's the reason, guys, we're trying to be as drilled down and practical and tactical as possible. So Julia's, you know, her suggestion, and this is great advice, go back to a point in your life. It could just be where you want a spelling bee when you're in the third grade, right? It could be anything. It could be anything. You know, usually the answers will be, it's when I was working out, or it's when I was following a schedule, or it's because I was, you know, eating healthier, or any combination of those things. I'm not saying it has to be like, you know, winning the Olympics type of peak performance, but when you were feeling your best and you were being productive, I've had people tell me it was when they were in high school or high school sports, Partially because they had to stick to a schedule. When the bell rang, you changed classes. And for a lot of people, that you know was a lot more disciplined than what they're doing now. Yeah, no, I agree. Those are all important points. But even if you can't, if you don't, if you cannot cite an exact experience like what we're describing, it doesn't mean you can't experience it. No. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's not too late. What it absolutely isn't. So, and I'll, and again, I'm going to suggest 80% of you are falling into that bucket. If you're being honest. You've never had a peak performance experience, not in the truest sense, and you know it. So I'll suggest to you that it's not, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't want you to start thinking, I haven't had that experience. I'm somehow maybe defective or less than. That's bullshit. No, it's just you haven't been exposed to like what we're talking to you about now. It's because you haven't been in an environment where you're being supported by people that are understanding where you're coming from and helping you to try to become that peak performer. And if you have to be a peak performer in one thing professionally, and, and listeners, please listen to your coach or your, you know, your future coach now, because this is the bottom line, be the best at being a listing agent. If you're the best at being a listing agent, you only have to get good at these three things. Julie's going to argue four, but if you can be really good at being a proactive lead generator, really good at pre-qualifying, really good at presenting, um, and Julie would throw a lead follow-up in there, which, you know, obviously that's a good point too. But if you're just really good at those things, everything else in your life, in your professional life, you can be terrible at. And I mean that with a sincere, you can delegate it, you can hire it, you can just not do it. But if you're good at those things, that's all you really need to master in real estate. I didn't talk about any of the things that many of you are spending in your money and your time doing, did I? Branding, marketing, work, CRMs, drip campaigns, videos, bomb bombs. No, all those things have their place. But you'll discover that if you get really good at those activities, so I'm going to say it again, proactive lead generation, that's not buying leads, pre-qualifying, that's calling leads back urgently, knowing what questions to ask, um, you know, presenting, and then obviously lead follow-up. If you're good at those four things, Trust me when I tell you, your stars will stay in alignment. That yeah. is really what matters. Keep it simple. Yeah. yeah. And, if, and if you if you only get good at those four things and you never meander into the passive marketing realms, guess what? Who cares? You'll, you won't need to. You won't need to. That's, You'll be see, that's fine. That's the point. It's so simple and yet they resist, right? So the, the simple fact is when, so watch your language when you're talking to yourself on this, not if you get good at this, when you get good at those four things. You don't have to worry about the rest. And as a byproduct, your profit at the end of the transaction will be astronomically higher. And if you're trying to find somebody that's going to, other people that are going to sound like us, sorry, there are no other people that sound like us. If you're trying to find somebody that's going to tell you to buy your business and do passive lead generation marketing, there are 16 billion people out there selling you that crap. So you have found probably the only people that we know in the real estate industry that are saying what we're saying the way we're saying it. It's because we've been doing it forever. Follow your intuition here, guys. You know what we're saying is true. Give yourself the opportunity to become the best version of yourself 
primarily as a listing agent and everything else will fall in check. Emotionally, that's how it'll work. When you see yourself becoming successful, setting appointments as a you know, proactive lead generation, generator, asking tough questions that could result in you hearing no, but you're you know, pre-qualifying, going on listing presentations where you had no prior relationship with the seller, competitive listing presentation, use our listing process and you see yourself getting that listing contract signed. How does that feel even hearing me say those words? Amazing, right? Empowering. Yes. That's what you want more of and more of and more of and more of. Then you start building your listing inventory. And then people think you're some sort of unicorn. Like Bob came out of nowhere and he has all these listings. Bob, what are you doing to get leads? Bob, tell me about your you know, your Facebook campaign. What, tell me about your funnel. Yeah. Nope. Bob's just yeah. doing the real work of real estate. And it does take work. And it does require time. And it does require long periods of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You have to have all three of those things going at the same time. Guys, thanks for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Um, it's truly our honor and our pleasure. Um, and based on the feedback they're getting from all of you, it really does, you know, it's, it's huge. So if you guys would like to talk with Julie and I about joining our EXP family, of course, Julie and I would love to sponsor you at EXP. Of course, we'd love to be your sponsors. Text me directly at 512-758-0206 and just say, yes, I want to join EXP now. Again, text me directly at 512-758-0206. You guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.